worms crawl in, the worms crawl out. They'll eat your guts and spit them out. And when your bones begin to rot, the worms remain, but you do not. So don't ever laugh as a hearse goes by. For someday you'll be next in line. And when death brings his cold despair, ask yourself, will anyone care? Macabre may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. I couldn't eat an entire burrito, and that says a lot because <laughs> normally I will kill a burrito, and sometimes I can eat two. And I couldn't do it. My stomach was so. <sighs> I'm sorry. Uh, no, it's okay. I mean, that was a very dark episode. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I I was just speechless. I like didn't know how to even comment because I was just like, oh, yeah, yeah. I think about people who do true crime episodes all the time. Yeah. That must be hard because you know, yeah. it's not even just when you're researching it. It's it's when you're presenting it, you're researching it, you're thinking about it, you're, it's pretty consuming. Yeah, definitely. It's so exhausting. Like, oh, <laughs> I know when I was looking into it, I was like, I have such a headache and I just like want to lay, like, lay down. Mm. I was just like, oh, because I kept listening to different videos while I was at work and then, um, you know, reading articles and stuff. And I was just like, oh, just hearing that shit over and over. I was like, oh, I'm yeah. still in shock. Me too. Uh, should we roll into it? Should, should we introduce ourselves? We should probably introduce ourselves. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, oh, always, yeah. I always forget about that. <laughs> I feel like most people who are in this far probably already know who we are. But um, for any new listeners, this is Macabre. I'm Holly. I'm Blair. Sorry. <laughs> I'm terrible with introductions in general. And I could write it on my sheet to read off and I would still forget. <laughs> you think at some point we would get in the habit, but you know, we do take time in between recordings. So, yeah. but most of you know us, those of you who don't, we're the ladies of Macabre. Why? <laughs> this is a dark that actually scared me oh sorry <laughs> because sorry. uh i can't see you now <laughs> oh no oh i can see you I sorry know. no it's because i have my sheet up it's funny i was oh. like "Ooh, <laughs> you got me oh sorry you got me <laughs> so yeah welcome to our parlor of macabre it's pretty cozy in here it is cozy it's warm <laughs> it's a rainy Gloomy day outside. The weather is perfect for our episode today. Uh, we're yes. traveling again back in time to the 19th Ooh. century. What a time. What a time. On today's episode, Jay is for Jon Snow. And Ooh. this Jon Snow does know something. And we're going to be talking <laughs> about how he saved London from a cholera outbreak and became the father of epidemiology. Dang. I know. Yeah, John. John Snow. <laughs> 
Well, we already know this from previous episodes that Victorian London had no shortage of infectious diseases in the 19th century. I'm sure we can rattle off more than a few. <laughs> yeah, and it had as many diseases as it did other deadly products. Yes. Oh, just a great time to be alive. <laughs> and the reason that this disease in particular was such a problem or how it even got to London was because of uh, trade and immigrant ships that were coming in from all over the world. And with them, they carried infectious diseases. They were the stowaways on these ships, actually. And hmm. the ships weren't like normal ships because they were very overcrowded with mm -hmm. like 500 passengers crammed into a space that was meant to hold like maybe 100, 150. <sighs> so we're crammed in there, right? Mm -hmm. A voyage like that. How long does a voyage like that take? Do you know? I'm curious. Like a month? I was going to say I was expecting like a few months. It could be. Yeah, I guess it depends on where they're coming from. Yeah. But um so you've got these cramped quarters. There's no sanitation. You've got people who are infected and they're sharing waste buckets and they're sharing that with passengers who aren't infected. They're sharing whatever water source they're drinking from. So just a really terrible disgusting combination of things. Mhm. Mm oh. Yeah, and so between 1836 and 1853, on average, 10 immigrants out of a 1,000 that boarded a boat for passage uh, to a foreign land died from a highly infectious waterborne illness that we're going to be talking about today. And that doesn't seem like a lot of people, I guess, when you talk about other things like the plague, but it still was a lot. And the problem is how, how it spread. Once mm -hmm. people actually got onto land and then we're sharing houses with other people and we're going to get into all that. But the disease that we're going to be talking about today is cholera. And mm -hmm. we also know that cholera does some pretty terrible things to the body, which we're going to mm -hmm. talk about later, too. But um, there happened to be, between 1832 and 1866, there were four different cholera outbreaks in the city of London, which led to the deaths of thousands of people. And this particular type of cholera was known as Asiatic cholera, and it came to Europe by ships that were coming in from India. And once the city mm -hmm. kind of figured out the connection between the disease and the incoming ships— they tried to stop it by quarantining the incoming ships. And they also did things like inform the public of how they might be contracting the disease and warned the people that were living along the coast to kind of stay away from people that were coming off the ships, not to have mm -hmm. sex with people coming off the ships. You know, don't... Dang. Don't engage with smugglers or anybody that might try to escape quarantine. Those were their public safety announcements back in the day. And I like how that had to be one warning. Yeah. But I don't know if we can really talk because, okay, we're, we're coming mm -hmm. out of uh, our own historical mm -hmm. event. 
Uh, I don't have to get into detail, of course, but one of the advisories was not to um, do the deed with not other people. Not to do the deed. So and it I, made dating really difficult, too, I think, for people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in modern times. Back then, I don't know what they did. Um, <laughs> but in modern yeah. times, yeah. And this disease was so devastating that it legitimately became a significant part of the culture and politics. It eventually changed public health, um, political ideology, and how the poor were treated. So some good did come out of it. Um, it was also a running theme in the works of Charles Dickens. Mm -hmm. And it defined an era. Historians still refer to the middle third of the 19th century as the cholera years. Yeah. So it was a pretty big deal. Now, um, this next little excerpt I'm going to read from an article or according to an article in Medical History, cholera is remembered as the disease that made the 19th century its own, appearing from obscurity to devastate Europe repeatedly in the years between 1830 and the 1920s. Six pandemics spread fear and alarm, terrible illness, horrible death across the continent before 1900. Mm. And we know why. Well, maybe listeners don't know why, but um, the biggest issue was sanitation, lack of mm -hmm. sanitation and contaminated water. And we'll talk about uh, and a little bit more about what they were kind of doing at that time for their sanitation. So warning in advance, it does get a little bit gross. Mm -hmm. Very you here for it. Oh, yeah. I hope you're here for it. Again, <laughs> not for the faint of heart. <laughs> not for the faint of heart. So question is, why was cholera so easily spread? Well, I just want you to think about, if you did listen to our, some of our previous episodes, just know that during a lot of this era, there were no bathrooms or running water in the homes, mm -hmm. and at least most of the population didn't have access to that, the poor especially. The people who did have a form of some kind of waste disposal, it was in a basement and they use something called a cesspit, which mm -hmm. is where they would just store their human waste. And then they even had workers called night soil men that would come in um, groups and remove human waste from these cesspits at night. And they would cart the waste out so that, you know, polite society didn't have to look at their own waste. Mm-hmm. They would take it and they would dump it on the city's food farms. <sighs> so there was one big issue. And then at one point, the cesspits were so bad that they were abolished. But they didn't have any infrastructure in place to deal with, you know, what are we going to do with, with the waste? So then they just started dumping it in like kind of like pits outside of their windows or into open sewers. Blair, I know you talked about all the nastiness <laughs> in the street. And so this mm -hmm. was one of those things that 
it was just sewage everywhere. And that sewage had to go somewhere. And so when it yeah. rained, it was just seeping down into shallow wells that were under the ground. People used the Thames River uh, as a dumping Ugh. spot. Like it was very, uh, very much used in that manner in certain areas. And then uh, this is a fact. It's so gross. Uh, apologies. But by the early 1850s, the Thames River was filled with sewage that was churned back and forth by two tides a day. Oh, So tide go in, tide go out, and it was just full of it. Oh. Oh. And we, and we talked about the Thames before, too. So. Yes. <laughs> it's pretty terrible, pretty nasty. Oh, um, especially when, oh, if people tried to jump in to... You know, as an attempt to end things and that. Oh, they, they probably got cholera. There is a very good chance that they got yeah, cholera. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm. The cesspits that I mentioned were um, outlawed. And there's a guy by the name of Arthur Hassel who expressed his concern by saying, and I quote, the current system of London water supply, a portion of the inhabitants of the metropolis area were made to consume in one form or another a portion of their own excrement and moreover to pay for the privilege. Oh. No. <laughs> yeah. Nope. Super gross. Super gross. So yeah. needless to say, now we know that cholera, we know that cholera is a waterborne illness, but at the time they did not understand that. Um, mm -hmm. At the time, the kind of the prevailing theory was miasma or miasma, however you want to say it, that germs and disease were spread through the air by very bad smells, which mm -hmm. in a way they were kind of like, they were wrong, but the, the idea was like, if there's something really disgusting, mm -hmm. it could lead to disease. Um, but in the case of cholera, our hero of the story, Jon Snow, he actually believed something different. And the reason that he had a little bit of a different theory was when he was working as an apprentice in his younger years, uh, there was an outbreak of cholera and he, the surgeon that he was working under as an apprentice was just completely overwhelmed and couldn't keep up with the number of patients. So John mm -hmm. went into, there was like coal mines and a lot of these miners were sick with cholera and he would go deep into the mines to treat them, knowing that it was far away from like, it was far away from anything that could have presented as miasma, I guess right. you could say. It wasn't near like a cemetery. It wasn't near like whatever he thought would lead to miasma. It was isolated from that. So he's like, mm -hmm. I don't know. There's something else maybe going on here. And he did everything he could to treat these people and nothing worked. And so years later, now when this other outbreak of cholera is happening, you know, he's just determined to figure out what the hell is going on. Yeah. And cholera is nasty. It is a terrifying disease. And mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you why. Think 
zombie apocalypse type disease, except it doesn't make you crave human flesh. Now, Mm -hmm. this is your macabre warning, trigger warning of the episode. So if you don't want to hear, maybe skip ahead like a few minutes. Um, But cholera is defined by the onset of extreme diarrhea, sharp muscular cramps, vomiting, and fever, and then death can occur within hours to days. The skin of the infected person becomes black and blue. The hands and the feet shrivel and pucker, and you can literally expel up to five gallons of bodily fluids in a single day. Mm. And what happens is, obviously, you're getting really dehydrated, but as part of that dehydration, your body is losing sodium. Yep. And your body needs sodium in order to be able to produce plasma. So your plasma production stops, your blood thickens, and your Mm -hmm. organs basically shut down. Oh, And it can literally come out of nowhere. You could be walking down the street and then just all of a sudden just double over and just stuff just starts coming out. Oh, my gosh. No. Yeah. No. And it didn't spare anyone. It, you know, it it affected anyone that came in contact with it. Now, granted, it seemed like it targeted the poor more just because of those sanitation conditions, um, mm-hmm. but it, it didn't spare anyone. And it was just so rapid and you just die so fast. Um, and, you know, at this time, tenement housing was a thing. Right. So how many people are we talking in one apartment? I'll call it an apartment, a flat. Yeah. Probably like 20 people in a single tiny space. Yeah. That's got uh, not even a bedroom, probably. It's probably a one room type efficiency flat. Ugh. And when you get cholera, you basically die in your own fluids. And I'm going to give you another quote. Uh, cholera liquefied a body as fluid streamed uncontrollably and insensibly from both ends. And this was in uh, the quarterly review. They said one of the most terrible pestilences which have ever devastated the earth. Oh. Oh. You had about a one in two chance of dying in your own watery mess within a day. Or even a half a day. Can you imagine? You get sick. You die 12 hours later. That's crazy. I can't imagine that. I mean, sometimes when you get a severe illness, you know, you don't even know what's going on in the first half day. Right. You know, you're like, well, it was something I ate or, you know, and is it something else? And I mean, especially back then, I mean, people were dying of food that wasn't cooked properly all the time. Milk, bread. And milk, yeah, exactly. And other household items. And it's like, I'm sure that they weren't even thinking about anything else. They were probably like, oh, maybe this wasn't good anymore, or maybe I'm suffering from such and such a thing. And it, in reality, you're you're probably more screwed. <laughs> yeah. 
And when you're that dehydrated, what is the first thing you try to do for somebody? Give them water. But you're giving them infected water. Nasty water. Yeah. So it's like adding fuel to the fire, you know, mm-hmm. just making things that much worse and that much more accelerated. Um, so, yeah, the organs shut down. You go into shock. You slip into a coma. And then you're dead. <sighs> yep. That's insane. And again, this is... uh. Oh, another culprit of the premature burials too, because mm-hmm. uh, there's an incident here that I'll share with you. Uh, a doctor was quoted saying, the man was evidently sinking pulse, almost imperceptible, extremities, extremities cold, skin dry, eyes sunk, lips blue, features shrunk. He spoke in whispers, violent vomiting and purging, cramps, and complete prostration of strength. So you would at some point appear dead. Mm -hmm. And I don't know at what point, if anyone ever recovered, like I feel like it'd be really unlikely one, you know, one out of two people died. So. Right. Oh, and I can't even imagine cases if there were any of premature burials and still having that disease and stuff. No way. The two Mm -hmm. together? Oh, my gosh. Two together. No way. Oh, my gosh. And they tried to treat cholera with different medicines, but the medicine that they gave people made things worse because they were using things like bleeding them from their veins, Mm -hmm. purging of all things. They'd give them brandy and opium, which I'm sure probably made them feel a little bit more comfortable, but ugh. Mm Mm-hmm. No way. So bad. But now we're going to talk about the hero of the story. Yay! (laughs) You know know all about Jon Snow, the hero that we needed at this particular time, who did know a thing or two. Um, (laughs) He was actually um, a practicing obstetrician and anesthesiologist, and he was the first guy who was like, I don't think cholera is coming from miasma. I think it's coming from water. And he was just hell-bent on proving it. And everybody was like, you know, nothing, Jon Snow, you know. (laughs) And he's like, I don't care. I do. And I'm going to figure it out. Yeah. So on the night of August 31st, 1854, more than a dozen residents came down with symptoms of cholera in London's Soho district. Within a span of a couple of weeks, Five to 600 people died from it. Oof. It was considered one of the worst outbreaks of cholera in London's history. And it was the third pandemic at that time. Damn. And the Soho district, no surprise, was poor and filthy, but they were industrious people. It was an area that had a lot of like grocers. There were craftsmen, tailors, brewers, Not let's not forget prostitutes. There are always prostitutes. Mm-hmm. Criminals and even nuns were living in that area. Um, it wasn't a wealthy enough area to have water piped in. So they were using uh, street pumps. There were street pumps at different locations kind of surrounding that community. Mm-hmm. And all of them pulled from shallow wells. So, oh, you can imagine 
um, you can imagine what that means. Yeah. So Mr. John Snow, Dr. John Snow, was determined to prove that cholera was waterborne. So he started hitting the streets in the Soho district, and he was knocking on doors, boots on the ground, trying to figure out what the infected had in common. Mm -hmm. There was an infant um, that died who lived in a house right next to one of the water pumps. And Snow had water from the pump sent to a microscopist named Arthur Hassel, who didn't report anything of note because he saw something in the water that he couldn't explain. And he just like chalked it up to some kind of like degradation of organic matter caused by the water. So he saw what it was, but he did not know what he was looking at. Oh, and Snow was like, I'm still... I still need to look into this. I need to keep going. He was convinced Mm -hmm. that he was onto something. So he kept going door to door and he was gathering data through interviews. He found out that 83% of the sick people were getting their water from a single pump that was located on Broad Street. Oh my gosh. 83%. That's crazy. Yeah. And the other pumps weren't contaminated but this pump was closer walking distance for people so it was the closest proximity Mm -hmm. and then he also found out that he was kind of looking at outlier information too to just kind of put the scientific method to the test you know Mm -hmm. he found out there were people outside of that area that had gotten sick and died and made a connection that their family members had been bringing them water so they traveled across the city one of them was an elderly woman and they had taken her water from the pump and she got cholera and died Mm. he why why do you think it was that I mean, I know that this stuff wasn't really well known back then, but you would think that people would kind of start to make a kind of connection, wouldn't you, with like, oh, don't go to this well. Like, you know, I we just got done hearing that these people got sick. They use that well. These people got sick. They use the you same one. You would think. Yeah. I, I mean, if they thought it was in the air, then... With it being so smelly and like, yeah, you know, I don't know if they just thought it was just everywhere and like some people got it, some people didn't. But yeah, you would think right. that some of the smart people would have figured it out. Right. But John, <gasps> kept he kept looking and he figured out that there were homes that were receiving their water supply upstream from an uncontaminated source from the Thames and no one was sick. Then the Mm. Board of Health warned people at the time not to drink alcohol because it would cause cholera, which is hilarious. Mm -hmm. But it had the opposite effect. People who drank alcohol only were just fine. Hmm. Just supports my theory of alcohol (laughs) is way better than water back in those days. It's not really a theory. It's a fact. (laughs) It's a fact. (laughs) And and that... um, The next big discovery that he made was there was a workhouse and it was like 535 people that worked in there and only five of them were sick and had died from cholera. 
And he Hmm. determined that they had most likely gotten their water from an outside source because the workhouse had its own well and it was a deep well. Hmm. So they didn't have any contamination. And then he also investigated a brewery that was on Broad Street. And it was the same street as the infected pump, but they didn't use the pump. They had zero cases of cholera amongst their 70 employees. Wow. So he just kept digging. And the more he learned, the more he knew that he was right. And Mm -hmm. in 1854, he was finally able to demonstrate that contaminated water was the key source of the cholera epidemics. And then what they did was they removed the pump handle from the Broad Street pump and the epidemic stopped. Holy shit. Like completely. And you want to hear something really disgusting? Oh, no. Sure you do. Sure. (laughs) So the people that went to this pump, they chose this pump because, one, it was was like short walking distance for most people, but they preferred the way the water tasted. Oh, what? They said it had a sweet taste. Oh. So I don't know what that means exactly, but... um, disgusting oh no 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 i feel like i always gross you out when we do episodes (laughs) well and that's the thing it's like i don't ever like look into any of your notes or anything so Mm -hmm. i'm always going into it surprised and it's like oh yeah i know about cholera and stuff and then we talk about this and i'm like oh Uh, oh no so gross but Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. He figured it out. He figured it out and the epidemic stopped. And what's crazy about that is it didn't change. It didn't really change the belief system at that time, like completely. And Mm -hmm. it didn't push reform with sanitation until much later. But it did, you know, some years later, new reform was put in place and infrastructure for sewage drainage systems and water purification and things like that. Um, And then, of course, that cut out cholera and typhoid and other types of waterborne diseases. Mm -hmm. And because of this discovery, Jon Snow is now considered the father of epidemiology. Just pretty crazy. But now you would think that cholera would be like a thing of the past, right? You would thing but mm, no we know better nowadays (laughs) it's not nope so any of our third world countries are still facing this problem Mm -hmm. um cholera was an issue after the earthquake in haiti in 2010 it resulted in thousands of cases and deaths proving that it still presents a great danger in any type of like disaster situation Mm mm-hmm it's one of the biggest burdens of disease in low-income countries. Um, the warfare in Yemen, are, they had challenges with cholera after that in 2017. Mm-hmm. Researchers have estimated that each year, now this is going to floor you, each oh. year there are still 
an astonishing 1.3 to 4 million cases of cholera. What? And anywhere between 2,100,000 to 140,000 deaths worldwide due to cholera. Holy shit. So it's a big problem still. Wow. I had no idea it was that prominent. I mean, I knew it it was still around, but I didn't know it was that prominent. Yeah. Access to clean water and sanitation is sadly something not everybody has. Um, yeah. Like, there are still parts of the world where safe water is not even available. No. Um, and I'm just one of those people I think that should be a basic human right. Agreed. Everybody should have that. Um, so just in talking about this episode, I just wanted to bring up a couple of um, organizations that if someone wants to learn more or get involved with through like donation type situations, you can donate to organizations like Direct Relief. There's also mm-hmm. Global Giving Source. Um, those are two big ones. And there's also the Global Task Force on Cholera Control. And I'll link, I'll put some links in the show notes uh, as well. But there is an initiative right now, a global strategy in which they're trying to end cholera Um essentially reducing cholera deaths by 90% by the year 2030. So we only have seven years. So we'll see. I wish them the best of luck. Yeah, I'm glad that you brought that up. There are a lot of good organizations out there that are focused on getting people clean water and clean resources to just live out their day-to-day lives. And it is so unfortunate that that is not something that every single person has and it really needs to change have you heard of i don't know if it's called the safety straw or something like that it's like a straw that you can use when you're outdoors yeah do you know what i'm talking about yeah i wonder how effective that would be for maybe it's not super effective for waterborne illnesses but it's it's almost like if it was you wish you could get a company like that just to donate a bunch right of their products that's a really good question though i wonder if that i mean not that we want to experiment you know (laughs) but to have if we can prove that it really does take care of things like that in water that would be fantastic yeah, I'm curious if anybody knows if it's just like heavy metal contaminants or like, mm-hmm. I mean, people get sick from drinking dirty water. Life straw. That's what it's called. I'm like, something straw. Um, but we were talking about if it would just be for like those, like the heavier uh, metal mm. contaminants or anything like that, but not um, life straw. Let's see. Oh, wow. Life straw. I was wrong about the the name of it. Life straw membrane ultra filters are capable of removing ninety nine point nine 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 percent of viruses, including rotavirus, bacteria, including E. coli and Salmonella, 
uh, same. Actually, it's more 99.9999999999%. And then E. coli, salmonella, um, parasites like Giardia, Cryptosporidium, 99.999%. And also microplastics. Hmm. So that's, there's a good chance it would yeah. get rid of cholera because bacteria and viruses, that's a pretty high mm-hmm. percentage. Be better off. Now, that's that's not the straw. That's um, that's their filtration system, their membrane ultrafilters. Okay. They probably do donate, I would imagine. I would if hope so. If you can, you should, Life Straw. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Wow. That is so cool that that is so effective. Yeah, I'm curious. I kind of want to look at their website and just see what they have, if they have. I mean, that's got to be why it was designed, right? It's not just for fancy people going camping. It's got to be, there's got to be a bigger purpose, I would think. Right. I hope so. But that's pretty awesome. Get on it, Life Straw. Thank you, Life Straw. Get on it. This episode is not sponsored by Life Straw, but if they want to sponsor us, (laughs) we would love that. Yeah. We'd be happy to promote them. That would be awesome. So, yeah, that was our hero, Dr. Jon Snow, who saved the world from, well, London, from cholera. Yeah. Changed sanitation and changed the way we think about disease. Good on you, John. I do love Jon Snow. <laughs> I mean, don't we all? <laughs> <laughs> we are doing... Oh, yeah, yeah. We've got... What do you... You've got the next one. I do. K. K is for kiss of death. Ooh. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty interesting one. And want to give us a little idea of who it's about, or should we keep it secret? Oh, I can I can do that. We are going to be talking about Julia Tifana. She was a female Renaissance serial killer. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I bet you a lot of people don't know who she is either, so no. that's going to be a good episode. Until we talked about it, I had no idea. Yeah, I remembered her name, and I remember what they call the stuff that she makes. I remember. Yeah. I don't know I where. I don't know where I heard it, but. Yeah. And then you've got another one coming up. I do. I also have L. L is for lycanthropy. Ooh, and that's yeah. going to be a good one, too. There's some deep things going on in the historical aspect of lycanthropy that I think we're going to have a lot of interesting discussion points on. Um, That's probably one of the, uh, well, I guess we could call it like mainstream monsters or creatures that we know that are very popular. This one probably stems the furthest and deepest into history with, um, how political it got, believe it or That's not. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, but that is to be talked about in that episode. And then I have kind of a fun one coming up. It's different than Yay. what we've done because it does touch on the supernatural a little bit. Yes. 
It's M is for maritime disasters. And we've got ghost ships, strange disappearances, and frozen in time. Just to give you a hint. That's going to, I can't wait. That's going to be an exciting episode. That's going to be fun. Yeah. I'm actually writing it now. I'm almost finished. So that'll be, that'll be a fun one. Heck yeah. Oh, I can't wait. We have some pretty exciting things coming up, listeners. So buckle up. It's about to get weirder. Yep. Stick around. We're getting (laughs) close to, um, We'll be planning the Halloween season pretty soon. Yep. Which is crazy to think about. Um, I know. It's coming (laughs) up fast. Yeah, it is. (laughs) Where to find us? Oh, yeah. There's plenty. You know where to find us, right? I would hope so. No, I'll give you the lowdown. Okay. We have a Facebook group, and that is at Macabre Podcast. Look us up there. Also, if you want to contact us with any stories, if you don't feel comfortable with recording your story on our website at macabpod.com, you can email us at thatsomacabre at gmail.com. We are also on Patreon. Big shout out. Hello, looky loos, freaky freaks, freaky friends. Sorry, you can be freaky freaks if you want. Maybe we can change that. Freaky like- freaks. <laughs> <laughs> Our freaky freaky friends. <laughs> Our deadly darlings and macabre hotties. Thank you. We love I you. I hope you're doing well. We love you very much. So go check us out on Patreon as well. And we have a lot of delicious extra content out there, people. So if you just cannot get enough. And your earworms want more. Get out there. Go look at that shit. It's good. You know where to find us. You know where to find us. All right. Boom. Mic dropped. (laughs) (laughs) Boom. We'll see you next time. (laughs) Bye, guys. Have fun. Be safe. Bye. (laughs)